I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome on back to the Made for March podcast. It's Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky saying Happy New Year out there to everyone. We have, I think, made officially it. made it, right? I mean, we're only a couple hours away, so I'm going to call it, Ty. We're into 2020. I saw a tweet on my timeline. It was from someone in Japan that I know and went to school with, and he said, Happy New Year from Japan. We finally made it. So to me, that signals that we made it. Yes, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way of putting it. Some countries are already into 2021. The the only funny thing about this is it's not like once we turn to 2021, COVID's going to magically go away and the world's just going to get magically better. Wait, what? But, what? Well, yeah, that's that's what some people, I think, are, are making it seem like. But I do like the whole mindset of, or the concept of, this is a new year, this is new beginnings, and hopefully it's For a sure. lot better than 2020 mm-hmm. overall. We're going to do some New Year's resolutions too today, which will be fun. So... Let's begin, uh, real quick, before we get to those, Tennessee played a basketball game against Missouri last night, and they just blitzed them right out of the gate, and I think we've both been on Tennessee kind of from the early goings here. I was sort of pushing hard for them to be in the conversation of the third best team after Gonzaga-Baylor for a while now, and you look on Bovada Sportsbook this morning, their title odds are up to 20-1, to which I think bumped up just a little bit from 25-1 to after they took care of business against Mizzou last night. I was thinking while watching that game, and Tennessee's defense is just outrageously good. They were up 18-4 right out of the gate. The game was basically over and wasn't really worth watching a ton after that. But this is a Tennessee team that checks a lot of those boxes that we talked about going into the season of continuity, experience, good sort of leadership in defense. And I really just don't know who's going to step up and even give them a run for their money in the SEC right now. I think they're the clear-cut front runner. It's amazing because obviously Kentucky's dropped off, but Tennessee's one of those teams that, you're right, has flown under the radar, and the obvious reason is they had a bunch of COVID concerns in the beginning of the season, and so they had a ton of games canceled. I think they were one of the last, one of the, not the last, but one of the last Power Fives to actually get a game off, and the fact that no one had really seen them play probably contributed to why they weren't getting a ton of credit. And, I mean, even in, I'm looking at this box score from the Missouri game and you look at some of these numbers no one's overwhelming you with points and they still put up 73 points which is a a solid offensive number but the leading scorer is Viscovi with 15 you've got Pons with 13 Fulkerson with 11 Jaden Springer with 13 off the bench and it's just one of those things where there's no one who overwhelms you on that team. And it's just kind of, it's kind of like Rutgers on steroids, I feel like, right? Like they're just a better version of Rutgers, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, it's a good call. Very defensive oriented. No one's going to really overwhelm you offensively. And they just play fantastic team basketball. It's a coach who feels like he probably still has to prove himself a little bit. I would say Barnes less so than Peichel. But it's a coach that obviously has not performed well in March throughout his career. So I think that's a a solid comp there. You're looking at a Tennessee team that's hungry too. I mean, there are some guys on this team who have gotten a taste of success, but have never really experienced the, the full, full, like three course meal of what success is. And it's interesting because 
The SEC is kind of just off to a shaky start outside of Tennessee. I know they've got some teams like Arkansas is still undefeated. They're 9-0, so props to them. They haven't really beat anyone crazy, but they've got Mizzou coming up this weekend, which will be interesting. Georgia just lost its first game the other night, but these are teams that I think will not even be clear-cut tournament teams when it's all said and done. It's just sort of a byproduct of the schedule they've played so far. All these other teams that we talked about going into the year that we thought would maybe step up and be in the conversation to win the SEC, there was some sort of outside love for Alabama maybe being one of those teams. Kentucky, obviously, you just naturally associate with the top of the conference. LSU has been pretty good. Cam Thomas has been excellent for them. Like, there's been some players that have stepped up. We talked about Scottie Pippen Jr., who's really played well, but... Mizzou has really been the only team that has surprised people so far this year, and they went from way in the bottom of the pack, and they get trounced here by Tennessee. So I don't really know who is the second best team in the SEC right now. I would probably, I would throw Florida's name into that mix too. And again, they're one of those teams that I feel like is under the radar now. And of course, they lose Keontae Johnson, what looks like for the remainder of the season. Although I saw that he is going to be a, a coach for Florida, which I think is something cool that they're doing with him. But they still have got some firepower on that team, even without Keontae. But yeah, no, the, the drop between Tennessee and the rest of the SEC, I'm just looking at Ken Palm right here. You've got Tennessee as the top dog at sixth best in the country. And then the next best checks in at 21st, and it's Florida, a team who's been on pause for a little bit here. So it's, it is a pretty steep gap. I feel like that's the – is that kind of the – What's the what's the word I'm looking for? The motif of college basketball this year, the Big theme gaps. of college basketball <laughs> is the, the one to two gap because I mean, we look at the player of the year race. It's Luca and then the rest of the field. We look at even the the college basketball landscape right now. It feels like it's Gonzaga and then the rest of the field. And then we look at the, the SEC and it's Tennessee and the rest of the field it feels like. So, is that the it's uh the, the one two gap I feel like is is the theme of college basketball here. Bavada needs to get on this and maybe just make a full category on their website that is picks versus the field. So it's Gonzaga versus yeah, the field. Like like you that. just laid out all those because there'd be pretty even odds on a lot of these picks right now, whether it's Tennessee to win the SEC or the field. I, I definitely take Tennessee at this point. I think they'd have to be favored if you made odds on that. Or if it's Gonzaga or anyone else to win the national title maybe that would you'd still probably take the field and Gonzaga they're plus 300 to win it so you'd have to put them somewhere around there that's what they are on Bavada right now we've talked about how if anything you should probably jump on that number now because it's it's probably only going to go down but let's dive into these new year's resolutions here we picked each a couple teams players whatever that we just want to give a resolution to a little motivation what they should be working on for each team or player as we turn to the new year here why don't you kick us off with your first one all right so i did something i I went to this website lifehacks.org or i i should say this i'll back up a little i just googled popular new year's resolutions and thought of some popular (laughs) new year's resolutions and so i put a little college basketball twist on all of them so i went to see like the top 50 new year's resolutions and then associated a team to a couple of them. So I'll start with this. I'm going to start with Gonzaga. Quit smoking. And by that, I mean stop killing teams because Hmm. I feel like Gonzaga needs to sort of manufacture some adversity before things maybe get out of hand late in the season because right now things feel a little too perfect in Spokane. Wouldn't you agree with that? 
Yeah, it, the only thing is, how are they going to manufacture adversity? I don't know. <laughs> that, that, again, that is their personal challenge that I'm assigning to them. Even but, Tom Izzo would struggle to manufacture adversity with that team, the, the right, rest of the exactly. schedule they have. But I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, like, we're seeing it now with the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs aren't killing people anymore, and I'm talking about the Chiefs in the NFL, and everyone's like, oh, are, are the Chiefs getting bored? I want to see that kind of happen with Gonzaga, where they get bored and maybe try some things. Maybe iron out some new lineups. Because I feel like they've got things figured out right now. And I think out of every team in the country, save maybe Baylor, no one else can say that, I would say. And But Gonzaga, like the way that they've figured things out versus the way that Baylor's figured things out, I think is still like the, the one-two gap is, is pretty steep there. But so quit smoking teams, I think. Gonzaga, find yourself some late-game adversity. We, we saw them, I guess, semi-manufactured adversity when Jalen Suggs, I guess it's not manufactured <laughs> yeah. adversity, but they had some in that game when he goes out against West Virginia and they have to find mm-hmm. a way to claw back. And of course they do. And, and Suggs is a part of that mix. But Find a way to manufacture some adversity. Maybe give someone a rest day. I don't know. Get creative. Like They need to figure this out because you need to have a little bit of battle test in this team because not only have they not really faced adversity this season, they really haven't faced a whole ton of adversity the last two seasons because Should they blow a game? I, that's what that's I'm what thinking. I'm wondering. Like, yeah. But who do you blow it to? That's the thing. Is like, do you blow it to a team like BYU or or San Francisco's an up and coming team in that conference? Like, do you blow it to one of those teams who? Yeah. Is, maybe then like, it, it's kind of a respectable loss in conference. Or do you blow right. it to like the the bottom of the bottom in the conference and and really manufacture some adversity? I don't know. You got to manufacture some adversity though. So quit smoking. And by that I mean just quit blowing teams out. I think maybe you blow it to San Francisco. They've already got the win over Virginia, so then maybe it makes your conference look a little better. I was just about to say, yeah. If you Pump get the conference more teams tires, in. I like yeah. that, and so, really stick it to the Pac-12. Th- that's their solution. Just blow a game so that once they get into the tournament, the storyline is not what it was with that 2014-15 Kentucky team, which was can they run the table, or that Wichita State team. Remember that was undefeated going into the tournament. I think St. Joe's, when they had Jameer Nelson and Delonte West, was the same way. Memphis with Derrick Rose. Yeah, right. I don't know. Just just blow a game so that it's not a talking point and you don't have to keep answering questions about it. Listen, I'm not saying blow a game per se, but play a couple games where it comes down to the last possession. Yeah, and that'll probably happen just naturally. You you can't. I mean, I saw some people talking about today that they could average 100 points per game when the season's all said and done because they're averaging 97 right now and their conference is it's way, way get easier. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, it's it's actually mathematically possible when you really sort of break it down, but that still seems outrageous to think. You want a quick update on the uh, the undefeated watch here? I think we need a, we need to provide the, the undefeated watch. So Gonzaga, their chance of an unbeaten record has skyrocketed a little bit to 46% on Ken Palm. And then we go to to Baylor. They are the next ranked undefeated team on Ken Palm. Their chance at an undefeated season is 1.7%. One of the teams that we talked about last time on the show, Houston, has dropped a game, and they had the highest percentage chance of going undefeated. Uh, it was like a little north of 3%. 
Tennessee, their chance at an undefeated season right now is 0.4. And then the last team I'll give you here is Michigan. And their odds at no an shot. undefeated season are 0%, even though they are 7-0. and So uh, <laughs> that, that has dropped from like the what? It was 0.01 not too long ago. So uh, yeah. you know what? We'll, we'll throw Arkansas in there for good measure. They're at a 0.01. How about Drake? You see Drake is 11-0 right now. How have they even played 11 yeah, They games? lead the, the country in wins, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So Drake, their chance at an undefeated season. It's got to be one super second. low. They're they 77th, anyway. um, 0.2%. Because remember, they still have to play Loyola Chicago, who yeah. is a, a really good team in their conference. And they have to play them twice. So they're going to get right, two that's... cracks at them. Yeah. And on back They're doing like days. backs-to-backs, basically. Right, yeah. That's a Sunday-Monday matchup for them. Yeah, no. Drake is they're nine and zero against the spread. I think they're the only team in the country. That How about is that? Undefeated with that many games. God's plan the so far. God's yeah. plan. That's what I'll leave it at. Right. Exactly. I see what you did there. All right. So my first New Year's resolution. This is just to John Calipari in Kentucky. Mostly John Calipari. Pull the program. Well, yes, but also stop whining. Like I'm just kind of oh, okay. sick of his whole stick after the game. I don't know if you saw, but after their latest loss, he gets on there. I think it was the Louisville game. And he said something to the effect of, this is the worst schedule I've ever made. I don't know what I was thinking. Here's the I thing. I should hit John. myself or something like that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Your team would suck no matter the schedule you're playing. I don't care if you're if they have the Drake schedule. Like, they still would not look good. You're a bad basketball team. They, they probably, against the Drake schedule, would be a much better record. But it doesn't matter how you scheduled this year. You didn't get your team ready. Your team is not making shots. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. They have no point guard play. And they look like they have no cohesion on the court. And then the other thing he said that really bothered me is after the game, this was also in the post-game presser, he said something like, yeah, it was a lot easier to coach when I didn't have people behind me nagging me to get in the game and complaining about the minutes they're playing, which was basically his way of calling out Cameron Fletcher who obviously got suspended for that whole thing. And it seems like I think he is back with the team now. But why are you calling him out? He's a 19, 18-year-old kid, whatever he is. Just you already suspended him. And you went on Twitter and sort of publicly shamed him and said something like, we don't have, we don't want to deal with that at our program. Like, just keep it behind closed doors. You don't have to bring this to the public light. Just it makes your program look like it's even more of a, a time bomb right now, which it clearly is when you look at their record. Yeah, you cannot, these two things cannot happen in the same season. You cannot have your social team put out a video of you teaching your guys how to walk while also going on Twitter and tweeting out that you are essentially suspending a player. Like, you cannot have both of those things happen in the same season. It Twitter is just not the forum to do that. And then a yeah, press so conference maybe, is- How about this? This is one of the the ones I saw on the the 50 most popular resolutions. Spend less time on social media. I can extend that one to to Kentucky as well. One more, and then I'll I'll give the floor back to you. Michigan State, resolution for them, just figure out the point guard spot if you can. I'm looking on Bovada right now. Michigan State somehow still 20-1 to to win the title. I I don't even know if they're going to make the tournament the way they're playing right now. And they have no solutions at point guard. Rocket Watts has just not been it. And I know it was a huge hole to fill Cassius Winston at point guard. And that's what we're noticing with a lot of these blue blood teams. Kentucky, no point guard play. UNC, 
really struggling because Caleb Love has underwhelmed at the point guard position and not been what he was cracked up to be. Rocket Watts, a lot of people thought he was ready to make that leap. He just hasn't been efficient. And really, Michigan State is bad offensively and bad defensively so far in Big Ten play, which is very concerning. It's not like this is just, okay, let's shore up the rebounding and we should be good or something like that. This Michigan State team is in a whole lot of trouble in my eyes. Take a guess at where Michigan State ranks in the Big Ten on Ken Palm. Ooh, like 10th, I'd say? They are 12th right now of the 14 teams. Only Northwestern, who has a head-to-head win over them, is ahead of them, and or behind them, I should say, and Nebraska right now. Penn State's ahead of them? Yikes. Penn State is one spot ahead of them. So Michigan State is 51st, Penn State 50th right now. And I got to say, like, 0-3 in the conference. I get it's a tough conference, and I get that you, you haven't played the easiest of schedules so far. I mean, you take a trip to the barn in Minnesota. That's never an easy game, but you get your doors blown off. Wisconsin going to be a tough game, especially on Christmas. Maybe everyone's mind isn't quite there. Who knows? But after that loss to Wisconsin, they dropped from 31st all the way to 51st. And I know you don't like how the blowouts usually can really swing the Ken Palm stuff, but Honestly, without that blowout, they don't get to 51st. And quite frankly, they deserve to be 51st. Yeah. So I'm kind of happy the blowout maybe impacted that number a lot there. And Northwestern, too. I think Northwestern at 54th, I don't know if they're the 54th team in the country right now. Like, right now, would you rather be Northwestern or would you rather be Minnesota? Like, forget the fact that Northwestern's 3-1 and in the conference and Michigan State's 0-3. Let's say the conference is restarting right now and they're wiping the, the Big Ten schedules clean. Who would you rather be right now, Northwestern or Michigan State? Well, Northwestern's got a very, very tough schedule. But I see, I mean, who's the better team right now? Northwestern. They already yeah, beat them. And and it's crazy to say. And yeah. Listen, like, they, they've got, obviously, the head-to-head win over Michigan State. They, they've beaten Indiana, who's a solid quality team. They, you've beaten Ohio State. And you, you played, I know the, the final score was 15 points, but that game was within two points against Iowa on the road in the second half. So, yeah, I, I honestly think I would rather be Northwestern right now. I, do you think Michigan State's going to make the tournament? I know it's it's an impossible question, but I'm I'm leaning towards, I don't know, I'm, I might be leaning towards no at this point. I, I get it's Michigan State and I shouldn't worry too much. I Part of me is saying hold the horses a little bit. But it's not like the Big Ten has a lot of get-right games. Like, they've got to figure right. it out quickly or else it's going to get ugly. Yeah, they do have—I guess they have a get-right game in their next game. They play Nebraska this weekend, so sure. But, I mean, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule right now, and Ken Palm's projecting four wins the rest of the way. Yeah. Four wins for this team, and— that's not going to get it done. <laughs> Listen, obviously they're going to win more than four games because there's there's a handful of games in there that— they're projected to lose that they'll obviously win. And I think the games that they're supposed to win, at least on the projections, they'll probably win. A pair of them coming against Nebraska. You got one at home against Penn State, too. So it's, to me, I yes, they will probably get in. Because I think, while there's not a lot of get-right games in the Big Ten, we have seen the carnage that the Big Ten's posed, right? So the resume at the end of the season might look good enough to get them in and then when things when push comes to shove if you're you're comparing resumes between like a Michigan State and 
in Oklahoma or whoever, like who's getting in if it's a tie between those two? It's Michigan State. So I'm going to say yes right now. Yeah. It's amazing. These blue bloods, Kentucky's basically out of the tournament, barring a really like drastic change or they win the SEC tournament, like that type of thing. They're out. UNC, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they just lost to Georgia yeah, I Tech. Mean, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, who, anything goes with UNC at this point. Yeah. Do literally any game, you could put them against any team in the country right now and no result would shock me. Right. There's one blue blood that I would put in Sharpie as Seth Davis jokes about that they will be in the tournament, and that's Kansas. And maybe yes. I'm forgetting others, but if you want to count Michigan State as a blue blood, then I, you know, I don't really know what everyone's blue blood list might be different than others, but the obvious are Kansas, Kentucky, UNC, Duke. The other three besides Kansas, I would say it's Duke, UNC, then a huge drop off, and then Kentucky in terms of ranking those. And Michigan State probably falls in between UNC and Kentucky right now, if you include them in the group. All four of those teams I just mentioned, Duke, UNC, Michigan State, Kentucky, like we might be without three of them in March. How crazy Yeah, is nothing's that? guaranteed there. Nothing yeah. is guaranteed among those. And yeah, I mean, of the, the four or five names there, I would probably say multiple miss. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. And who knows, is this going to be 68 teams also? That's the other caveat to throw out there. Yeah. Um, well, what's your other, what are your other New Year's resolutions you got? All right. Getting back to mine. Next up, I've got Iowa. And to that, I would say I'm giving them exercise more because this team doesn't play defense right now. I don't know. Go slap the floor, run some sprints. They need to get better and be more active on the defensive side of the ball right now because that is the only thing holding them back from competing with the Gonzaga of the world. And I say Gonzaga's of the world because they are the world beaters right now. So to me... If Gonzaga or if uh, Iowa can figure out the whole defensive thing, then of course they are going to be a player in March. But until they figure that out, I don't think they can win the Big Ten. I, I just, I frankly do not think they can win the Big Ten until they figure out the defense. So slap the floor, run some laps. I don't care. Do what you got to do. Exercise more. Get more active on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, their point per play right now defensively. In the Big Ten Conference, I think ranks 11th in the conference. And that's right about where they were last year. I mean, they just aren't number a good one defense. offense, number 96 defense. Oof. That's, and that has gotten worse. The defense has actually gotten worse this year. Yeah. And that's why I remember I did that thing before the season when we were doing our Tears of Joy on all the Final Four teams and what their defensive ranks are and how. There's only been maybe two or three, I'd have to go back and look, but two or three that have been outside the top 30 or 40 in Ken Palm defense at the end of the year that have made the Final Four in the past 10, 12 odd years. So they would be well, a huge outlier. I'm looking at what they did a season ago. So they were fifth in the country on offense and 97th in the country on defense. And they were geared up to be what, a seven seed then? So those numbers have really not changed year to year. So... If that's the Iowa team that we're going to get, then is this team... Listen, I don't think they're going to be a seven seed, but no. could we see them maybe drop down and be a four or a five? And once the, the defenses of the Big Ten really start to to catch up with them, because, I mean, we saw them lose some, some inexcusable games last year. Like, they lost to Nebraska last year. Let's not forget about that. They lost to Penn State, who was solid last year. But the, the gauntlet of the Big Ten caught up with them. Like, you saw little spurts where they would lose games. Now, they rattled off a five-game win streak a season ago, but then you saw them trade games. 
when when you're trading wins and losses night in and night out, you're not going to be a top three seed. You're just not. I don't care what conference you play in or how tough it is, because there are going to be other teams that are exploiting that. So, I I don't know. I don't think that. I mean, you look at how everything went down last year. I don't know if uh if I if it's in the cards for them to be a, a top three seed if they don't figure out the defense. The case for them is this year's offense is a lot better. I mean, just look at the other night. Jordan Bohannon's back and he's held. Like this team's much healthier than last year. Knock on wood. It That's stays fair. this way. Mm-hmm. But Bohannon looked like himself before the injury the other night. He hit like five threes in a row when I was watching. I think he finished with 20-plus points in the game and was kind of carrying them when they were sort of pulling away from Northwestern in that game. So their offense, is it's, it's stupid good. that You can't ignore it, but I do think you have to have a little bit better de- or definitely have to have a little bit better defense than what they're showing if they want to be considered a title contender for sure so i'm looking right now they have the second worst defense in the big 10 only nebraska is worse and it's really not worse by that much but i'm looking at the adjusted defense metrics right now if they could get to about average in the big 10 right now that would add three points to their total uh team efficiency and and about three or four points is the difference between them being fourth in Ken Palm and them being like neck and neck with Gonzaga for the best team in the country. Like yeah. that's how much this is holding them back. And we knew it was going to be a thing going into the season. It's just really played out even more exaggerated. Like the offense has been even maybe a little bit better than we thought. And the model for them is probably that Wisconsin team where Frank Kaminsky just carried them a la what Luka Garza is doing. And they Wisconsin, that team that went to the Final Four with Sam Decker, did it all basically with offense as well. So that is one model that's come out of the Big Ten recently. It, it could be done. It's just they're making the odds a little bit tougher the way they're playing on defense. My next resolution goes to the NCAA. I'm going to call them out here. This whole allowing your team or allowing a team to give themselves a postseason ban, we saw it again with Arizona over this past week. Arizona, after winning a game against Colorado and getting off to a pretty good start in the season, actually they kind of dominated Colorado, just announces the next morning that they're not, they're taking themselves out of the postseason this year. They're instituting a postseason ban, a self-imposed postseason ban, I guess is the language that you use there. And it seems like this came from the president of Arizona because obviously the basketball team's doing pretty well this year. But in other instances, like we saw with Auburn before the start of the year, Auburn knew they weren't going to be all that good this year. They knew it was a down year where they're kind of rebuilding. So they just put in the postseason ban this year. It's not right. If if you cheat, you should have someone else put the infractions on you. You should really suffer actual consequences, not lean into the consequences and choose the right time for your program to accept the consequences. The whole NCAA violations thing has been a nightmare from the start when you compare that we haven't heard anything out of Kansas yet and Oklahoma State has already had their penalties come down LSU Will Wade's caught on tape and then it goes again on the scheme it's it's made even more public that he is clearly paying players and not much has really been done there to this point it it's all out of line out of whack but I just don't understand why a program is allowed to self-impose a postseason ban and cater to their team. And I guess the idea is that Arizona now will have less punishments because they took the liberty and 
were forthright and just came out and owned it a little bit more than some yeah, of these other teams. Yeah, we're making them seem like they're some sort of upstanding citizens right here, it's, right? Yeah. Which is the dumbest thing ever. And I'm with you. The, the self-imposed bans are so dumb because it, it's always a team that isn't looking great. I mean, we, we've seen it in the past, whether it was Syracuse or we've seen it with Arizona. These the self-imposed bans, they, they're just a – it's all cosmetic, right? It, it makes it look like you didn't miss the tournament. Like, oh, like you're going to look back on the record books and, and tell your, your fans, like, oh, but we could have made the tournament that year. We just didn't let ourselves into the tournament. So I, I think it's got to be kind of like how – you know how it, when you were in school and let's say there was a homework assignment that you didn't do. Well, if you skipped class and didn't turn it in, you weren't going to get credit for it if they saw it was a, a valid skip on, on your, your attendance. Yeah. Right? If you clearly cut class, you're not getting that, that homework assignment. You're not being allowed to make it up. You're not making up any tests or quizzes in class that day because you weren't ready for it. No, you're not getting that. But... Let's say you were sick, a valid excuse, could not come, you had the flu, so maybe you had to make up the test or whatever, make up the quiz, or you can still get credit for the homework assignment. To me, that's how the NCA should hand this down. Just because you're volunteering yourself up doesn't mean that there shouldn't be further punishments. Not only should Arizona be out for this tournament, they should be out for the next tournament if there's real violations that are found. And by all indications, it seems like there will be. So... To me, I think you got to to kind of adopt that model where okay, you can you can kick yourselves out for this year, but that doesn't mean we won't kick you out for next year either. Because I think that's got to be on the table. And let's say the NCA were to say, yeah, we probably would be handing down these punishments to you this year, but since you're taking yourselves out this year, we're taking you out for next year. Yeah. We need to get rid of these self-imposed bans. They are so dumb. They're so bad. And they're, they're just slimy. They're slimy, and it makes these universities feel like they did nothing wrong. It gives leverage to the team that did something wrong or the school that was wrong, that, you know, cheated or, or violated something in this case. And I just don't understand why Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State are not allowed to play this year when of all the years that Oklahoma State should want to play in the tournament, like if they could pick, they would be like any, any year but this year. We want Cade Cunningham in the tournament, right? And somehow and they, they still get might get in too. Like, yeah, they, they might that's reverse one of the other it. They should. Is, yeah, yeah, they're they're protesting, they're appealing it, and if that appeal doesn't get heard, they technically are are eligible for the tournament until something else comes down. Exactly, and I hope that Cade Cunningham can play in the tournament for sure. I'll, it's going to be a weird tournament. I know Matt Norlander was talking about how Indianapolis is going to be spreading it out over several different locations. Like Mackey's going to be involved in Butler's arena that it's going to be about seven locations. I think he said in Indiana was the reports and they're probably going to make this official in the coming weeks. But I just don't, I don't like it. It's slimy in like Georgia tech last year. They just got away with a postseason ban. As I put up air quotes over here, because they didn't even, they missed the ACC tournament game. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is such a scam at this point. And I'm just sick of, it's not right for the players either, because Arizona, if you're going to make this call, at least do it before the season so your players can transfer. If you have a kid that's a senior on the roster, which I guess Arizona doesn't really have, but I remember one year Louisville. And I guess it doesn't matter this year, technically, yeah. either, because everyone's getting the free year. But no, I, I get what you're saying in terms of the long term of this problem. 
Yeah, like Louisville one year, they actually had a decent team. And at about the late stages of ACC play, maybe it was Big East, whatever it was, they said we're self-imposing a postseason ban. And they had a couple grad transfers on their team that they came to Louisville to play in the NCAA tournament. They were quoted as, why'd you pick Louisville? Because we wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. They didn't get the opportunity, and it was just ripped from them at the last second. Well, if they had known, if Louisville had told them that, then they could have gone somewhere else if they had done it before the season. It shouldn't be allowed to be done during the season, let alone be done at all. The whole thing just makes me upset. So that's one of my resolutions. NCAA's got to get rid of that. All right, I like that one. That's That's a good one. That's a healthy one. My next one I've got for Clemson University. Turn your hobby into a career. Obviously, we know that Clemson is a big-time football school. Football runs that place. But basketball is almost viewed as like the hobby there. It's not the career. It's the hobby. But their basketball program is unbelievable this season because they are a defensive stalwart. And honestly, I think you could say they are the most impressive team in the ACC right now with what they've done so far this season. Picked up a big win over Florida State this week. So Clemson, turn your career into a or turn your hobby into a career because you could actually parlay this into something here. Because if you start picking into the state of North Carolina, and again, you've got endless resources at Clemson because football generates so much revenue, and, and basketball is one of the beneficiaries, or at least should be, because of all the revenue drawn into Clemson. Listen, they know how to create a successful athletic model. So. I, if you start picking off some of these recruits from North Carolina, you get them into South Carolina just over the border, and you, like you pick into the Charlotte area, you go to the Raleigh area, you get some of those recruits. Maybe you go down to Atlanta a little bit, IMG Academy in Florida. You get some of these guys into Clemson. You can build a real juggernaut here at Clemson and be probably the best one-two punch in terms of football-basketball programs. Like We joked about this earlier in the year, the, the football-basketball power rankings. Yeah. Like Clemson is number one right now, in my eyes, because of the way that they've played basketball this year. Defensively, they're legit as they come. They're one of the top five defenses. They're the best in the ACC. And you've churned out some quality wins so far. And I even heard Mike DeCourcy on the post game after the, the Iowa Northwestern game. He has Clemson as a two seed right now. I don't know wow. if I'd go that high on them yeah. quite yet, but... I mean, they're trending more towards a two seed than their usual six or seven seeds. So Clemson, turn your hobby into a career. You can do this. You can become not you won't become a basketball school because football is always going to be king there. But you can be a, a basketball power, I would say. You could make yourself into a Texas right now where I know yeah. Texas, they don't have as good of a football thing going. But the way Florida, when they were successful with football it turned into basketball and there was that year where they were national champions ohio state i think is another good example of that like you can do this if you are clemson you play in the acc you've got that allure i mean the campus and and city is beautiful and all that you can be a basketball school too to complement your your football powerhouse yeah if only they had gotten zion i I, the whole time you're talking about the recruits there i was just thinking man why didn't he go to clemson that that would have been way better than duke for yeah, the UNC keep them, fan. Keep them in the state, yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. And it's like the uh, Steph Curry, Virginia Tech, what if. It's a similar ACC school that's more known for football, and that's their big what if right now. If they had gotten Zion, it, it maybe would have sort of sped up this process. But they have been great, and that was, that was an impressive one over Florida State. My last resolution is a quick one. It just goes out to Siena. 
I'm just wishing that they get better luck in the new year. For those that don't know and haven't seen this, they have not played a basketball game this year. They are zero and zero. The only team I believe in division one that is yet to play. And it's a shame because I think Siano actually would have been decent in their conference this year. And they have had three separate 14 day COVID pauses to this point. They are scheduled to play a game in the coming days, start their season on January 3rd, but I just hope they don't have any more pauses in the new year. For those players, for the coaches, whatever, that is just a tough drag. We joked about DePaul. At least they've started playing. Sienna still has not played a game. And you mentioned they're 0-0 zero and zero for those keeping score at home. They've got a .09% chance on Ken Palm of going undefeated. <laughs> so the right. undefeated season remains alive. The tough thing for Sienna here is the fact that they are playing in the state of New York. And we've seen a number of New York state teams go on these lengthy pauses because the protocols within the state are so strict. They're stricter than some of the CDC protocols, the nationwide protocols, and, and the MAC, The what I mean by MAC is the MAAC. That conference also has some very, very strict protocols. Like I even saw Rick Patino call them out, and, and Patino's been Mr. Mr. COVID safety this entire time. He's been calling for all these sorts of these protocols, push the season back, all that stuff. And he's calling out the the fact that some of these teams have to sit out for 14 days. So, yeah, the, the deck is really stacked against Siena. They are, for what it's worth, they are projected to win every single game per Ken Palm. But the, the chance of the unbeaten record is 0.09% just because, obviously, things go wrong at times. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough for Siena, but uh, hopefully brighter days are ahead. Yeah. My last one also, Chicago State, just take it to D2. I, I saw they canceled their season, <laughs> and I, I think there's some rumblings that uh, that they are heading that way or some rumors that this is probably their last year because of finances and everything, and it's just been a tough go. Either hire Mark Titus or, or take it to D2 would be my resolution for them. What else do you have? I like that one. Uh, I got two quick ones for you here. UNC, your Tar Heels for Tar Heel Tim. Spend less money. And what I mean by that is don't go after the one-and-done guys anymore. Let's get back to the old Carolina model of recruiting here. Get those guys who are going to be in the program three or four years because we've seen that the one-and-done project has not necessarily worked out great for them. These last two Carolina teams have not been the Carolinas that we've come to expect and the Carolina teams that can win championships. I want to see them go back to the old Carolina model of recruiting and get into some of these three or four year guys that can be impact guys get find me another tyler hansbrough find me another marcus page those sort of guys that can make a difference for you and then my last one rutgers go see your doctor more often the injuries continue to pile up with them ron harper jr sat out the last game and it's just we've seen it with jacob young Geo Baker, Cliff Amori. I mean, the, the injuries just time and time again are stacking up. Listen, you and I love Rutgers. We think that team can be really, really good. Yeah. They just have to be healthy. And if they're healthy, they can be scary. No doubt. All right, well, actually, before we get into our weekend picks, we're about to do our weekend winners, and we'll actually probably talk about Rutgers a little bit. I just wanted to put this on your radar, Ty. I saw right. this in an athletic article today. I was reading. I got confirmation. The net rankings are supposedly coming out next week. They're coming. Ooh, okay, okay. Yes. So, so just so you know, so I don't what's know Ohio when State's coming. schedule this weekend? <laughs> yeah, go, I see go, they've got I mean, Minnesota they on Sunday. Yeah, I think but we, yeah. we might even be picking that game. Minnesota, Ohio, yeah, well, that is a, yeah. a ranked game the night before the net. 
on on net eve wow. we're getting uh we are getting ohio state so yeah that that works out very conveniently for them um yeah good good for ohio state they'll they'll slide their way into number 1 can't wait to to see that and, and they they stomp all over nebraska this could not have been more timely tim yep. this could not have they, they go the out conspiracy they, they beat they beat Nebraska by 36. I'm sure that's going to jack up some of their numbers in the net. And now you're going to have a ranked matchup on on Sunday against a team that I don't. Minnesota's Minnesota. Like, yeah, I was kind of right. surprised they're ranked. Like, yeah, honestly. but like they're nine and one this year. <laughs> yeah, they, they have they've gotten good. quality wins. They've beaten Iowa. They're they're playing against Wisconsin right now in a, a game that should be a, a good watch, but. You're right. This is all set up for the grand conspiracy, the grand scheme. I mean, we thought the the HBO documentary that that was a real scheme. No, this is the real scheme. We need the scheme 2.0. All right, or just call it the scheme, right, for Ohio right. State. So <laughs> that's that's what we need right now. We need somebody needs to investigate this because it makes no sense. They're right, going to well, slide into number one. Let's just start with that game for our weekend picks. I mean, there's no way I'm picking Minnesota on the eve of the net rankings being no, unveiled. Yep. Against Let's Ohio. just yeah so, put it before yeah. we get into the like. I guess we've each given a pick here, but yeah, one of these it. games, two of these games, a handful of games always get axed, and there's always one that's in our picks too. Can we just pick how many games are going to get axed? Because I think what we've got, this is a thick slate here too. We've got seven and then plus we have to pick an upset game. So we're picking eight games here. We have to pick how many games each week actually aren't going to happen as well. My pick for that, I'm going to say two of these games get axed. I'm going to say one. COVID. Just to, You're going to say one? To okay, yeah. there we go. But right. yeah, you're right. We've always had, I think we've had a couple so far, but as the picks stand right now, I am 12 and eight on the season. You are 14 and six. You have 16 points. I have 12 points. For anyone that's new to this podcast, we have been doing the weekend picks where it's top 25 games, where it's a ranked team versus a ranked team. We pick every single one. And then we also throw in an upset pick. If you hit the upset pick, you get two points. If you hit any of those ranked games, you get a point. So Ty has actually hit a couple two-pointers so far. I have not hit a two-pointer. But we'll get to the upset pick in a little bit. There are some great games this weekend. I hope this isn't the one that gets this axed. This is a because, great weekend. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope this game, Kansas-Texas in the Big 12, does not get axed. There are a little bit of... I mean, Texas is kind of coming off a of pause. Kansas has just been on a break because it's been the holiday season and their schedule had a little bit of a break. So interested to see how this game goes. It's number three, Kansas at home versus number eight, Texas. I'm going to say Kansas wins just because Texas is coming off the pause and Kansas is at home. If it, if it was at Texas, though, I think I would probably take the Longhorns because I do like them. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm going to take Kansas in this one, too. The one thing that I'm intrigued, though, to see is if Texas can overwhelm Kansas with their size. and Because yes. we've seen some dynamic offensive pieces uh, in the front court for Texas so far this season. So that'll be the interesting thing for me to watch in this game because David McCormick is, is not Adoka Azabuki. So now <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that can can figure itself out. Yeah, Kai Jones has been really good for Texas. I, he's going to be he's a been almost like a cult hero. I feel like down in Austin. <laughs> right. Yeah, he kind of has been and he makes some dumb plays, but that's just because he's a guy who's only been playing basketball for like four years. He grew up in the Bahamas and 
I don't know. He strikes me as very much a guy that could get the Patrick Williams bump when it comes to right. the NBA so, draft time. Texas, University of Texas cult hero power rankings here. We're going to go McConaughey number one because, I mean, I mean, the one to two gap here is astronomical once again. You've got McConaughey, <laughs> then a, a giant gap. Then I think number two, you got to go with Mac Brown. Then three, probably Colt McCoy. I don't know. Are you? Would you lean Colt McCoy at three or Vince Young at three? I think you can only pick one of the quarterbacks. Of I think it's memory. McCoy. Yeah, they, I'm with you because it's the him. name. It's all in the name. So Colt McCoy yeah. three, and then I'll probably go Kai Jones four, and then Shaka Smart five. Well, Shaka Smart's hair at five. And yes. then Shaka okay, Smart yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Right, yeah. No, that'll be a fun game to watch. I'm looking forward to that. Next game up for us to pick, number 10, Iowa, on the road at the injury-riddled number 14, Rutgers. I would pick Rutgers if I just had any clarity on what Ron Harper Jr.'s deal is, what all these other injuries are. I, I know McConnell's been out, Omari's been out. There's just too many question marks, and I do think you bring up a lot of good points on Iowa's defense, but their offense is still just top two in the country probably i think it's gonzaga then it's iowa offensively so despite all that i think they will go on the road and beat Rutgers because of the injuries i'm actually going to go out and take Rutgers in this one because uh, the rack has has treated them very nicely so far this season um and and i even with the injuries like we've seen them overcome the injuries even though purdue's not nearly the caliber of team that iowa is Rutgers still took care of purdue and even covered a spread as well. Uh, they covered the Bavada spread. So I'm actually going to take Rutgers in this one. I think even with some of the the missing pieces, you still got Miles Johnson out there. And the Miles Johnson-Luca Garza matchup is going to be one to watch. That is must-see TV for me this weekend. So give me the Scarlet Knights in the upset at home. All right, our next game is Virginia and Virginia Tech. And this is a matchup of two teams, number 24, Virginia Tech, number 23, Virginia, that are in the ACC and kind of just fighting to stay in the rankings, basically, going into next Battle week. for state supremacy here. Yes, right. It's it's that huge rivalry. Every time these two teams meet on the hardwood, it is it is nuts. Just throw the they records wanna... out. You, have to, you know yeah. what you do, Tim. You got to throw them out. All right, Pump it's them a up, throw the records out game. I got to say... Virginia, I want to pick them, and every part of me is saying they should win this game, so I'm going to pick them, but I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to go on record here. If they lose this game, can we like officially sound the alarms? Because I'm looking at their schedule. What have they done to prove that they are still... I still see people picking them to win the ACC. Let me just run through their game so far. Towson, they win easily. San Francisco lost on a neutral site. They were 73 on Ken Palm, San Francisco. They beat San Francis. That's 263 on Ken Palm. Who cares? Kent State, 149 on Ken Palm. They took them to overtime. Virginia did win. Willem and Mary, another irrelevant game, basically, that they routed them. Gonzaga, they get routed. Everyone's gotten routed by Gonzaga. That's fine. And then they did just win on the run at Notre Dame. So that that's the one game that's like... Okay, that's decent. But even Notre Dame, they won 66-57 to 91st in Ken Palm, Notre Dame. If they lose this game to Virginia Tech, a team who I don't even think should be ranked, even though they had a decent one over Miami this week, I like they're not the number one team in the ACC. I, if you're making ACC power rankings, I don't see why you still have faith in them to put them at the top because the, in the games they played, and granted they haven't had a ton of chances to win big games, they haven't shown me anything. 
Well, to further your point, they're not going to have a ton of chances to win big games over the next yeah. month, really. <laughs> I mean, have you seen, and maybe it's the, the product of the ACC being down, and maybe just by laying it out this way, it kind of proves that they are the favorites in the ACC. But here's their month of January. You've got Virginia Tech. Then you play Wake Forest, Boston College. You get Notre Dame again, this time in your gym. Then you travel to Clemson for your first real test of the the conference season. NC State at home, Georgia Tech at home, Syracuse at home. So maybe you get into a little bit of a JPJ rhythm right there, and then you close it out at Castle against Virginia Tech. Not a lot of challenges in January for them. Yeah. The the bulk of their challenges are going to come in in the February month, but... I mean, yeah, are you right? Maybe. Maybe they're not that great, but maybe this is the perfect sequence for them to kind of figure things out, beat up on some bad teams like Virginia Tech, Wake, or not Virginia Tech, I wouldn't say Virginia Tech's a bad team, but beat up on some bad teams like Wake, Boston College, Notre Dame, and then maybe that gives you the the confidence you need heading into Clemson, and you can pick up an upset victory there. All right, so you're going UVA or VT? I'm going to go Virginia as well, yes. Okay. All right, next one in the ACC, another sort of stay-in-the-rankings ACC-type game. It's not a throw-the-records-out, though, because they are not interstate teams. It's Duke, number 20, at number 18, Florida State. Duke has not played in a while. Florida State lost this week, as we mentioned, to Clemson. I have not loved what I've seen from Florida State, but they're at home, and Duke is coming off a long time without playing, where I, again, just don't think they have a ton of shooters and enough playmakers on offense to be the typical Duke team. So I'll lean with Florida State at home and Scotty Barnes. I'm with Florida State too. This is a a great matchup. You've got the blue blood versus the new blood. Uh, I love those masks, by the way, that that Leonard Hamilton wears too. I'm I'm actually, I'm Googling this as we speak right now. If we can buy the the new blood's face mask. And you can, yes, you can buy it. So I am am probably going to make a purchase right after we're done with this show. Um, but yeah, no, I love this, uh, the, the new bloods that, that Leonard Hamilton has adopted that mentality. So give me Florida state in this one. I like Scotty Barnes too much and and the size too. I think the size of Florida state could give Duke some fits. All right. Final game before we get into our upset picks, it is a big 10 matchup on Sunday, number 16, Michigan at home versus number 19 Northwestern. I'll be curious to see what the line is on Bavada for this because Honestly, I think Michigan should be favored by a good bit. I I feel like they've been doing well against the spread, and I just don't I don't really see I'm I'm curious to see how Vegas is treating Northwestern because was it a fluke? Was it not? I, I have no Ken problems. Palm's not giving the respect. I mean, we yeah. laid it out for you. Ken Palm's got him what, fifty fourth, I think I said earlier in the show. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you wanna play a little Bill Simmons guess the line? What number are we gonna see for this game? Because I guess so. It's in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's like seven points. I mean, Iowa was an 11 point favorite and covered against Northwestern. Now right. you know how much I love Michigan this season, and I'm gonna go out and say that Michigan is probably gonna be like a a seven or eight point favorite. I would say it. Sh- if it was nine or ten, I think I'd still probably take Michigan. I, I feel that good about Michigan winning this okay. game. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm with you. I think Michigan right. wins this game. Yeah, you're probably right. It's seven or eight. And if the reps call a, a technical on Northwestern for saying, give me that, shit, I think it was Pete Nance who yeah, said Pete that. Yeah, Pete Nance. If, if they're going to be doing to, that stuff. He's used gosh. to playing, though, with his brother. Like, you, you know how many times Larry Nance has probably done that to him before? 
and his dad, Larry, Larry Nance Sr., and then, of course, Larry Nance Jr., who's with the Cavs. Like, come on. <laughs> The, the the whole no crowds thing, you know, everyone thought it would kill the atmosphere. It's killed the spirit of the game. That's what it's killed. A ref doesn't right. hear that, or at least as pronounced doesn't hear that in a, a regular game when you've got fans in the stands. But without it, it just sounds louder, and it's awful. And, like, you saw the stuff with, with Jim Beheim too, saying he's never going to play against Buffalo again because of the fact that uh, they were chirping. Jim Beheim probably wouldn't have heard half of those chirps if there was right. a full Carrier Dome crowd. So uh, I think it's killed the spirit of the game less so than it has like actually had the the impact on on the game itself. And I think that's the part that I'm most upset about with the the whole no fans thing. Now that we're through uh, the non conference portion of the season. So upset pick. We have to pick one team that is going to get upset by an unranked I gotta say team, this, team. There's a lot that I liked in, in Yeah, there's week. some options. Listen, for sure. To me, I've got I've got my motto for for the weekend of college basketball, right? It's going to be mayhem in the Midwest. Again, we've we rattled off all those great Big 10 matchups that that are taking place this weekend, a couple fantastic Big 12 matchups, but there were three upsets that I was eyeing and they all are taking place in the Midwest. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you mine. I was torn. I'm going to say it's Providence over Creighton, though. That's a noon tip on the East Coast on Saturday, and Providence is at home in that game. So I'm going to ride them. I have not liked what I've seen from Marcus Segarowski so far. His shooting numbers are way down. I expected him to kind of take more of a leap, but I think he's getting a lot more defensive attention and just shooting up some bad shots so far this year. So I'm a little lukewarm on Creighton at the moment. I was looking at Oregon to fall to Stanford because I do think Stanford's decent. Even like San Francisco, it's it's the Gonzaga blow game this year or this week potentially yeah. at 10 p.m. But I, I'm not picking against Gonzaga, of course. So I will take Creighton to lose to Providence as my upset pick. Okay, I'm gonna roll with Oklahoma. They've got a home game against number nine West Virginia on Saturday. I believe that's also a noon start. And here's one of the big numbers that I'm looking at here. Teams are shooting 82% from the line against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's sending them to the line a lot. That luck has to spin back the Sooners' way at some point, right? So I look at West Virginia. They're a team that shoots 71% from the stripe. Oklahoma's got the 15th best offense in the country, and they're good for a chippy win here and there, right? That's kind of been the model of Lon Kruger, aside from that Trey Young year when they were actually a good team. Um, but Well, for the first half. Then, well, yeah, for the like Trey Young was good. The, t- the rest of the team could have been better, but the the way that Trey Young uplifted them, I guess, was yeah. uh, was enough to make them qualify as a quote unquote good team. But they're coming off a tough two point loss to Texas Tech from right before Christmas. How about this for a, a four game stretch to open up Big Twelve play for Oklahoma? You ready for this? They have they had Texas Tech, who they lost two by two points on the twenty second. Now they have West Virginia, then they have Baylor, and then Kansas after that. It does not get tougher than that. It really doesn't. And and that's got to be the the toughest conference start of any team in the country, I would imagine. But I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Some of the other games I like, though, I think Oklahoma State could pull it off against Texas Tech, maybe get a little cage show. And then Arkansas uh, taking on Missouri. Arkansas is not ranked yet. And they're a 9-0 team. And believe it or not, the, the Razorbacks are actually 23 spots higher on Ken Palm than Missouri. So... Arkansas is pretty good on the offensive glass, and Missouri 
doesn't do a great job in that department and they're not great at forcing turnovers. So can't really counter some of the Arkansas strengths, but those are three picks I like, but I'm going to roll with Oklahoma to take down okay. uh, West Virginia as my, my pick. But I like all three of those. And hey, you get on Bovada, maybe you sprinkle a little money line bet on all three and, and pray that two win. Exactly. That, that'd be a nice way to start out the new year. Get a little money in your in your Yeah, pocket. how about that? Yeah, well, that's going to wrap it here for this week of the podcast. We'll be back probably early next week, maybe Monday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, to recap this really fun weekend we've got of college hoops coming your way. That Texas-Kansas game is at noon on Saturday, and there's really just games all weekend long and some Big Ten games that have always been intriguing throughout the week as well. So follow Made for March on Twitter, at Made the number four March, to get some updates from the game and any other breaking news that comes out in the college basketball world. But until then, Happy New Year to everyone out there, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The game was over.